Hello, this is the Dot Matrix, and I'm Sean. I'm Justin. And here we are after about, what, six months? Five, six months? I always think when we podcast again, I'm like, yeah, we said every two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been, what, a solid ten years, hasn't it, that we've been doing this? Almost a decade? Come December. So, like, I think the fact that we've started for a decade, I think that's pretty good, regardless of how infrequent we do it. And to celebrate the fact that we haven't done it in a while, or that we're so, that how rare it is, we're drinking Viognier. We've yes. got, I'm going to cheers you. There we go. <laughs> um, we've got wine and uh, cheese and crackers, so unabashedly, there's going to be like chewing noises and yeah. cracker crumbling. Yeah. But hey, whatevs. Whatevs. I got my creaky chair. And we got our dog, my dog Sadie here, who's inter- only in here because she's in, she loves cheese, and it's one of the <laughs> one of the only people food things we actually give her because uh, she knows she loves cheese. I was thinking about that. So dogs are okay with cheese, or yeah. some dogs are, or just generally it's okay. So I wasn't sure about like dairy and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, she's even had a little lick of Mario's gelato. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good day. <laughs> yeah, there's certain things you can't give dogs, obviously, uh, you know, and I I think some of them are factual, some of them might be m- mythical, I don't know, but... Right. Um, what about bread? I always think about oh, yeah. like, the whole thing about bread and ducks, and their stomachs will explode if you feed ducks bread, Is that, oh. I, I, don't, I don't even know if that's true. Oh, yeah, that might be true, I don't know, but yeah, dogs is fine, I mean, she can have any bread product. She, um, my last dog, Dexter, which, who... who um, when we started this podcast was, was around That's in the right. house and, um, <laughs> he always, you know, got, cause we, as our listeners know, I used to live just off commercial drive in the East Van, still in East Van, but a little more closer to center. And, uh, oops, I'm turning off my, all my buzzes and notifications. Um, and you know, there would be food everywhere. Because uh, people would literally feed the birds with throwing a whole loaf of bread all over the ground. So <laughs> Dexter would come across this, and before we can catch him, he'd find it before we do sometimes, and he would just chomp down like whole whole slices of bread and be fine. <laughs> well, so yeah, I I think she likes cheese. We'll get we'll give her little 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 tiny pieces. That's the thing, though. Right. That's the key. Well, that being said, welcome to episode sixty-five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> First podcast since March, mm-hmm. and I feel like the whole world has changed since March. Ugh. There's so much to talk about. But first, we should talk about, you should talk about the wine we're drinking. Let, oh, let's sure. Just, let's take a little bit of, like, Tasting Room Radio. Yeah. Uh, I've yeah. been listening to some of it lately. With, <laughs> Me like, too, yeah. They had the Nermeta bench tasting, and then mm-hmm. the, the other tasting. I thought those are really interesting. Like, I like to hear people talk about their wine. So, talk about the wine we're drinking now, Sean. All right, this is a Connoisseur Viognier, so um, the vintage escapes me, but current current release, so it might be a couple years old, uh, bottle age, and it, so Connoisseur is a big, big producer in Chile, um, very successful, and 
they mostly have kind of lower to mid-range wines uh and i and i mean that by kind of price as well as kind of palette although um you know by by the amount that they sell um they're way better way way better than your say your yellow tails from australia mm. or your two oceans from south africa or things like that even some of the two oceans i would say are decent for the value for the price um this one is a great is, is a great unexpected surprise because um as i was mentioning to you um my uh happy sippers wine club we uh we tried it with three other viognier's they were all blind tastings and hands down we thought this was the favorite and it was only 10 10 99 or something like that the liquor, local liquor store and so um i decided you know i i thought today i was texting with you and i thought let's have some wine it just kind of occurred to me and so i thought well you know what it's hot out i would typically just grab a red from downstairs but right. i thought let's let's get something cold stop by the old kingsgate mall <laughs> store. perfect yeah yeah, and I bought four bottles, and you're going to take one home. I love it. It's, it's interesting because the brand or the, the winery, Connoisseur, hmm. uh, every so often I'll click on a Georgia Strait, which is our weekly entertainment magazine here, um, and they'll have like a top 10, you know, you know, at the BC liquor store, like affordable, whatever. And usually they'll have a wine on there. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, and so it's true, like there's the there's a, a quality given the voluminous kind of a winery that it is like the the the, the, the quantities it, it produces right as interesting was i was thinking about like we're just joking about like tasting room radio and uh and there was uh terry david Mullen kept asking about like uh the quantities how many cases have you made of, of mm -hmm. the wine and i never mm -hmm. even thought about that and mm -hmm. and people would say 400 was and that and definitely i guess 400 is more of a smaller release mm -hmm. 800's getting there, and then bigger, bigger, right? So, yeah. so I'm only now starting to understand about quantities and, and and what's a more rarer wine. So I guess if it's a smaller release, but even a lot of the BC ones are still affordable. I mean, not I mean to get into the twenty dollar range, but yeah, but it's definitely you know not like fifty dollars for like a, a bottle, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, so I'm I'm getting there. I'm trying to learn more. I'm trying not to be a, an eye roller like I used to be. <laughs> Well, speaking of which, I mean, we're uh, this Friday going to go to our lovely friend Claire's house. Yes. And um, we're going to have uh, uh, wine tasting number two for our Psalm Eye Roll <laughs> get together. And um, very excited. So we're each going to bring our favorite white, I think. Mm -hmm. So have you thought about it? Like... I know you were joking a little bit about bringing this one, but, like, have you thought about what, what white you're going to bring? I've been thinking about it for days, actually. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny enough... Ooh, that's, that's a hard one. I mean, I've had whites that have really pleasantly surprised me, you know, at tastings and things, and... I may have written it down, or I may have had a pamphlet where I kind of remark, yeah, this is great, but I never really hung on to, um, uh, you know, uh, following up 
checking the uh, the government liquor stores, the private stores, and seeing if they got it. However, there's two that come to mind that aren't available regularly here in Vancouver okay. that and I would are. love to bring. And one is from California. Okay. That is not... The name kind of escapes me. I think it it's not conjuring, but it's something like that. C-O-N hmm. something. And went to Marquee on Davy and Burrard. Mm. And they, ha- they have... Um, you can taste there a lot more now. They've kind of expanded their tasting uh, regiment. But I had a California tasting there once. And oh my god, their Chardonnay was incredible. Hmm. And... By that, I mean, like, when I like Chardonnay, I'm down with oak. You know, a lot of people are like, un-oaked Chardonnays, un-oaked Chardonnay. No. I like, soak that wine in the oak barrel, give me tons of vanilla, toast, give butter, give give me all that full coating the mouth wine. And that's what this one was. It was autumnal. It was like you could... Sit, it was like you could sit there while watching the leaves change. I still think about mm-hmm. that when I so think white about for it. autumn. White for autumn. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, it sounds weird to say, but and I, so when it's unoak, it's definitely it's cleaner, crisper. Is that what that means then? In yeah. So generally, I guess exactly. Okay. So the unoak, they might be uh, uh, instead of the oak barrels, they they would be you know um, what is the word aging in say you know titanium or cement or right some sort of metal kind of cask like things okay um it it definitely is a cleaner more minerally kind of uh brighter less you know right um doesn't coat like some of the other ones right and so that to me that would mean i guess yeah definitely like it's a good for a hot summer patio kind of a scenario I think so because it you would still get some of the you know the fruit that you would typically get in a, in a Chardonnay, but it it would definitely be lighter. That's the only way I can. I'm not an expert on unoaked. I've only had unoaked a few on a few occasions, but but anyhow, I I uh, I was gonna say the other one mm-hmm. uh, is is one that Simone. Our other lovely friend and I, when we went to, um, what is it, uh, in in May of last year, I asked you about it this year, oh, but right. you were busy. At the and, Roundhouse, right? Yeah, the top, I what it's called. <laughs> oh my god, I can't remember. Uh, it's, it's this wine event where they have wines from all different regions around the world, and... Um, yeah, I saw the photos from that event, so it looks amazing. It's another Chardonnay, actually. You and the shards. So you know, I've always been a shard fan. I'll 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 explain briefly why okay. after. But, um, so Simone and I went in May of last year, and I went with uh, my other lovely friend Maggie this year. Uh, and when Simone and I went, it was the first time that we had checked it out, and it's such a great time. It is, it beats any wine festival event hmm. i would say okay actually in the planning organization delivery uh the variety the quality um 
just the pro aspect of it. Okay. Yeah, the wine the the wine fest could actually take I, some they lessons. have some they could. They have some good events, but they could really take some lessons because it's so big. I think the quality control is lacking in some areas. Quality that, control in the product or quality control in more like the experience. The experience. Oh, okay. 100%. Uh, and that 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 will be a discussion for a different day, but um, <laughs> or we could do the whole podcast on <laughs> I well, I think Michelle would love that. <laughs> so let's do it. <laughs> but uh, let's let's wash away all the troubles of the world right oh now. Oh God! And um, so this the one that Simone and I had. The wine is good on all sides. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. You're telling so a story. Fine lines on all sides, even the bad side. Um, we had a Chardonnay okay. from a producer in California of German descent called Shug. Okay. And they, they've actually been in California for about a, a century. Hmm. And they poured some amazing whites, and we loved their Chardonnay, and I got their card, and they said that, you know, we could order through the private stores if they don't carry it. Right. One day... Well, if Simone ever hears this, one day I will get her a bottle. Um, that's I've been thinking about that ever since. I'm gonna mm. get a bottle and surprise her with a bottle. Mm. Lovely. If she hears this podcast, sorry I spoiled the surprise, but one day I will get her a bottle because I think she really loved it. Nice. Well, we're gonna see her on Saturday too. We have to bring wine too. Oh yeah, that's right. So. We'll bring some great wines on Friday and Saturday. And so, this event, because I think about the, I've only been to the wine festival once, and I think that has happened after mm-hmm. this, our last podcast, so part of the many things we've done in between podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Like you, they have a giant BC liquor store with all the wines you've tasted. You can go and try it. Mm-hmm. Top, top, top drop. And so this one, like when you taste it, mm-hmm. Do they not? Do they have bottles for sale or cases for sale, or do you just, or you just need to, to grab the cards and do the the purchase after? They did have some for sale. Okay. Some other vendors, like they had a little area, sort of like they did at the wine festival, just um, near the kind of the, the windows, like at the back. Yeah. Um, where you can you can buy some, but, uh, uh, uh the ones that weren't available, they would just say, oh, we're, we're like. Two or six, two to six months away from having it available, you know. Right. But we wanted to get this to you, so you can look forward to it, and you can yeah. order in at a certain point, things like that. Yeah, and I think you know, there's some some industries and some products where you, if you don't have it on on right there at the time, you've lost people. Mm-hmm. I don't think wine is one of those things. Mm. I think wine is something people would like. I like that. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to take your card and I'm going to remember to look it up later, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or or time it so that I know when it's available. Mm-hmm. So I do get that, why, why you wouldn't want to lose that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that top drop. So that's the event. And, um, and it's a fundraiser for something, isn't it? Oh, it... Uh, because it I remember... the hospitality industry or oh, something. Is it? Hospitality industry needs <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Uh, I I don't know actually. 
I, I can't recall. Yeah, I mean, when you first told me about it, I looked it up, and I remember it being a fundraiser. For, I, I, yeah, I mm. remember. Oh, girl. We will look it up and post it. Yeah, definitely, because it... Top drop. The quality of what they were offering for tasting, it was amazing. I mean, just... They also had some, I think, a few craft beers, and they had some cider. Mm. So that was cool. I'm not a beer guy, so I, but I tried the cider and I met the guy. And, and it wasn't region specific as a theme. It was just like no wines all over. Yeah, all, all like France, Italy, Australia, mm. uh, South Africa, South America countries. Mm-hmm. Um, here, United States, like all the main the main areas for sure. Right. Uh, whites, reds. So yeah, I think. Um, We'll post it. Definitely recommend. Definitely. And it sells out fast now. Because mm. that second time I went, it was just as cool. And Cool. Um, well, it's May, right? So it's in May, yeah. Hopefully next May, like if Michelle's in town. Yeah. If it'll be around her birthday, we can go for her birthday. Oh, that's perfect timing. Nice. Let's do that. But, um, yeah, I've always... It's funny because I, I have been much more, as you know, into wine because of Michelle, yet I have not experienced... Well, actually, we did we did, the, we did that whole thing last summer, right? We did all the wine tours in Penticton, right? Which is so yes. great. We learned so much. But I haven't gone to these kind of wine events. I mean, I've only gone to one, I guess, right? Just the one <laughs> wine festival event. The Grand Hall tasting? Yeah, the Grand yeah. Hall, yeah. And uh, so I kind of feel like Michelle and I should be doing that just to like, get back into it. But... Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've only gone to the wine festival once, and that's where I discovered that beautiful, like, Turkish Syrah, mm. and I've been obsessed with it. And it's so funny, because you, I went, and we did the tasting in the Grand Hall, and the, it was, like, the president of this particular Turkish winery, Sul, I always forget if it's Sulva or Suvla. It's either S-U-V-L-A or S-U-L-V-A. We'll look it up, and I'll, I'll uh, put it on the, on the description. But, um... Uh, and when you just, it had like five different wines and he was so good to like, he was like managing tastings for like four different groups of people at the same time. And he would remember which one, which one of the five he was at with each of the groups. And he was just so attentive and, and I really wanted to like the wine that, that had the particular grape varietal of, that was kind of more native to Greece. Okay. And so I really wanted to like that one, but it was clearly the Syrah that was the best. Hmm. And and it was so great because I then go into the liquor store part of the Grand Hall and I bought one bottle and then I like I only want one so I bought three <laughs> and the, you know it it's a reserve right so it's thirty four dollars each wow. I'm like okay I'm spending thirty four dollars for this right wow and they're all signed by the winemaker right so the labels are signed that's cool too and uh, so I bought three. And then I just was obsessed. I just didn't want to run out. And so then I found them at Everything Wine, which mm. has that beautiful new location in Vancouver, which is huge. Whoa. I can't wait to check it out. I can't believe you haven't gone. I know. Uh. <laughs> it is the biggest wine store I've ever seen. Holy and shit. And they do have a wine tasting area. You know, yeah. and particularly they, uh, I went that one week where they had all the wines that were on sale, like a couple of dollars off, five dollars off. They were all tasteable. At the wine, which is perfect. You go to the you go to the counter, you oh. taste them all, and you like some things are on sale because they really need to just clear them out, mm. and some things are on sale and it's a good deal and it actually tastes good, right? Mm-hmm. It was great to taste them, 
But anyways, I bought two of the Turkish Syrahs there, and they were like, instead of $34, they were $43. Ooh. I'm like, ooh. And then I saw them at Marquis. Okay. On Davy. For $52 oh, a bottle. I was no. like, I should have bought like a whole case of them at the wine festival for $34. <laughs> Holy shit. I was like, that's why it tastes so good. <laughs> they must know it's good. Yeah. And they had great reception. They they know. Yeah. Wow. It's a great one. I mean, you tasted a little bit yeah. at the party, which yeah. also happened, I guess, after we probably podcasted. I don't know. I don't know if you did or not, but I feel like everything's happened in between podcasts, but... I think it was just after... Af- we podcasted after, because mm. ours was on the 24th or something. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. But but you tasted it, at mm-hmm. that, and that was like after it had been open for a day, right? So, yeah, oh yeah. 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 No, it was great. Yeah. I uh, I would definitely uh, uh, jump in and grab a bottle if I if I see it, for sure. Well, well, maybe we... not 52, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, well, when the house is done, mm. we'll have you over. Oh my God. We'll crack open a bottle. Mm-hmm. Michelle and I are, are, are thinking about our wine collection. It's funny to say that we have a wine collection, but we do. Of course. So Simone can laugh <laughs> of the evolution of my life and my taste, but it's true. But we've been thinking about when to, we have these we have these two notebenes right from Black Hills. Yes. That we still need to use, and we've decided we're and we have these um, Turkish Syrahs, and we are looking at like moments in life where you need to like crack open to celebrate. One is finally building this house and moving in. Two is when she graduates and defends her uh, her thesis for a PhD. Third is when she graduates from PhD, right? So we've got like different occasions to like think about these special occasion wines. So that's fun. Yeah, that's always fun to do. It is, and now I've finished the Viognier. Nice. <laughs> uh, but anyways, we've talked about wine for. This is actually a lot of fun talking about wine. Uh, yeah, and it's different. Wine. <laughs> Usually away from our um, political fair. Yeah. Or like social justice or something. Yes. <laughs> so, where do you want to start? <laughs> I feel like, like you you keep watching like late night television and you just know everyone's like loving the all this material that they can sort of riff off of with the president down in the states. Yeah. But at the same time, you can just feel that people are just like, just tired. <laughs> There's just so much. You know. Um... It's interesting you ask that in that way because there's one thing that sticks out for me right now. Okay. And that is? And that is, and we touched on this briefly before we started, but, or during, um, it's when, I won't even say his name, that president and others... (laughs) Vanessa refers to him as Voldemort. (laughs) Others since then. Yes. Like on Facebook... Quote, fine people, you know, uh, on all sides, including, you know, like the bad sides, unquote. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fine people. Like, that is what really got me of all this garbage. Like, that, he's saying, 
And I've had uh, someone say to me, no, it's, he's right when he says there's fine people in the group that are the white nationalists, the Nazis, the whatever you want to call them. I'm sorry, I, I can't... I can't abide by that. Right? Right. It's just that that we're in this weird alternate reality now, it feels like, that all of a sudden there's an explanation... Sorry, I got crumbs all over me. There's there's this thing where everything can be defended. So I ask, well, if I'm not... Uh, if it's not right for me to call out white supremacists and I must see the other side, then what is valid for me to call out? Like, mm. what does deserve my total outrage and denouncing? Mm. If I can't look at a um, footage of Nazis with tiki torches and be outraged, then what can we be outraged by? It seems like now we're we're not allowed to be outraged at anything. There's always some side that we didn't consider. Why is that? That's what I want to understand. You know, it's so interesting. Michelle and I have talked a lot about this. She, uh, um, the way people talk about it, at least how she talks about it in, in her, and sometimes it may be academic circles, but not necessarily academic circles. There's something about like big T truths versus small T truths. Like what is actually true in this world anymore? Yeah. Is rel is everything relative or is, or are there some fundamental truths that we must believe in around what is right or wrong? And, and so she asks that question quite a bit and we, yeah often have I wouldn't say it's not even arguments it's like spirited it's, uh, <laughs> it's conversations because I I definitely have a a very large uh, empathetic bone in my body mm -hmm. like I get and I understand how people can feel disenfranchised on both sides sure but Understanding why people might feel disenfranchised is different than whether or not that disenfranchisement is actually valid, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, and I think that's where the confusion, I'm starting to think about it more myself, like that's where the confusion, where people who want to be measured, who want to not, who want to move beyond the, the polarizingness of the world we live in today, I don't say we should dis we should be disavowing ourselves from con context and contextualizing things and understanding and empathy, uh, but does it mean because you understand where people come from doesn't mean you need to agree? It just but if you understand, then you might inform it might inform how you engage with that person that you disagree with differently, right? So you know I I can see how a white supremacist who believes that you know white people are the master race and that, you know, you need, and that race actually is an indicator of a bunch of different things. I can understand if you believe that to be true and then you're living in the world that we know of today that you're feeling a, there's an affront to your existence. I mean, how many times when anyone gets announced as the new head of something and it's a white, 
an old white dude. Yeah, right. It's a sad place to be to be an old white dude. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there one day. Unless you're calling me old now. <laughs> it, it, it is the race that gets shat on a lot more these days because like it's old news to be old and white. Like... Donald Trump, sorry to use the name, is an old white dude. Yeah. And he's old news. But mm-hmm. he's president, right? Mm-hmm. And so I get it. If you're an old white person, if you look in the mirror and you identify as that identity, identify as that identity, sorry, it's a weird way to say it, and you believe that, you can see how you could feel and you might want to go to the streets and say, I will not be displaced or whatever those chants were, right? That right, were right. awful, right? So you can see where you can get there, but... But it doesn't mean you agree with the fundamental principle. All that is founded on the fact that white people or the white race is the master race. Superior. Or superior, right? Yeah. And and race is a uh, predictor for a lot of things. And, you know, all those different things. Like, that is the big T truth that is totally wrong and needs to be continually... Debunked. Debunked, beaten down... And and squashed, and, squashed. Um, and and but you need to, you know, I don't know, I don't know if it's a but you need to, but like, but there is an, as an engagement beyond debunking that that helps people kind of okay, I get it, I get why you're anxious and why you're upset. I don't agree with you, and this is where I think Mira Michelle and I might have some arguments about whether or not that's worth even engaging in that way, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. And, and I and I see that point too. You know, uh, yeah. but I, I just don't have that kind of fighter mentality. That's not how my how I I show up in the world. But those there are those who do show up that way, and I think we need those people to show up in that way because yeah, you need both, right? You need people yeah. to kind of go okay, and if I and if we can agree, and over time you agree that the big T truth is race is not a predictor on things, and that actually all races have the same rights to be happy to live in this world and to 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 all the things that we all have access to then you can sort of move people beyond that i'm feeling threatened to like oh i don't need to be threatened right right but sometimes you just need that but you can't get there without that fight you still need that fight interesting you know so like i i i I don't know that's how i see it i think about it in those very separate ways but they are very much tied together I think, and I and I, I can definitely see where you're coming from there. I mean, as a white person or like Caucasian, whatever you want to call me, there's so much that I feel, you know, aside from just outright denouncing this crazy shit, there's so many issues that I can't really speak to. Yeah, well, if you don't, if you don't have that mentality to begin with, then it's tough. Sure. It's really tough. Um, like, but what I can, what I'm, it's really hard to explain, but what I'm noticing is that there's very, very clear signs of just either full on, just flat out racism or just delusion on the part of those who are seemingly racist. For example, I post on Facebook, I think yesterday or today, a video, <laughs> Sadie. Oh, Sadie is this guy. the video of the guy who who left Harvard? Yes. 
the I was I wanted to ask you, and okay. I'm, I guess we're asking this on the podcast. Yeah, I was like, why did Sean post that? Like you had you posted it with no comment, like you didn't you didn't frame it in any way. So I was like, well, I was curious as to why you posted it. Sometimes I do that because I don't want to. You want to stir the pot. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, but it's it's mostly because I I just sometimes I think without saying anything, if you just put it there, you're not preempting the reaction. Okay. We should post this video. I'll find. I'll find so, it. and and I don't want to even claim that I. fully understand the context of that interview except he said one key thing that really bothered me okay what was that because what's happening right now is you're hearing stories about people are like oh well i was i was joining them but i i'm not a racist yeah i'm angry about certain things but i'm not a nazi yet they're walking with nazis with tiki torches right which i find really 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 just irresponsible at best Mm. And just mm. completely stupid and dumb at worst. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yes. Like a twenty-two-year-old. I don't know how old this guy. He seemed like a young man. He's obviously younger than us. Yeah. Guy student that decided that he was just going to join this rally, and but he said one thing which really really bothered me. He talked about the composition of like our society. Oh, yeah, yes, I because I, I finally watched the whole video from beginning to end. He talked about no one asked us about what, what we thought of or what we agreed on was the changing composition of this country or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yes, I remember so that. So when I saw that, I saw that that was the big red flag. I didn't search for that video. It was a video that popped up after I watched a different video that I saw on my feed, you know, when yes. I scroll through videos. Yes. Well, I actually really like going... algorithms. Yeah. I like going through those videos because I'm like, oh, what's up next, you know? But the reason why I post it is because I want people to see if they're seeing what I saw. I saw a guy who was either just... Like, he had strong beliefs in things, but didn't even realize how racist they were. <laughs> yes, yeah. Which is a big, big problem. Yeah. Like, honestly, like... I... You know, I could be really honest and say, you know, before all these people who were getting shot, like, like African Americans by the police, and in the last mm -hmm. few years, like three or four years, as like example after example, mm -hmm. I think there's like two hundred men and women who were getting annihilated by the police, probably because they're black, in, mm -hmm. in almost all cases, where at least that's what led eventually to the ultimate demise of of people. Um, that. Where before that, I probably didn't even realize myself the amount of so-called white privilege that I, I might even not even realize. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's actually been a real eye-opener for me because I question mm. me more nowadays. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. like, shit that I might complain about where now I'm like, just punch me in the face. Like, seriously. <laughs> just, 
punch me in the face because I'm whining about some stupid shit that could not even shouldn't even really be an issue that I'm worrying about that might be an issue for others. You know what I'm saying? Like, so not that I think that's a good reason to have all this nonsense that's going on right now. But so when I saw this guy, this so-called clean cut, probably really arrogant preppy bastard stand there and talk about composition. Yes. That I find really offensive because it's like, well, no one does care what that guy thinks about the composition of like the, I'm assuming he means the population in the United States because it's like, well, guess what? I mean, for centuries now, there's been a a, 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 a ever-changing composition and that's just the way the world evolves. And so... What are you going to do about it? You know, like that's, it, there's so much like, there's a, a one of our uh, friends on Facebook said, said to me when I posted something about there's no room for hate in this world or this city here, you know, we had our own rally and all that. There's like, it's sad that you have to say that. I'm like, I know. Like, I hate having to say this stuff yeah. over and over and over again. Stuff we should all know and just realize but unfortunately you know there's people out there who just don't share that opinion (laughs) and that's really sad so when i saw that video of this younger guy probably early 20s talking about actually getting really kind of agitated and defensive frankly about his so-called how he's been treated it's like well like can you can you even See, see what you're saying? Well, and he used the argument outside of that comment around sort of like, oh, well, people have been doing hate mail and, and hating him for, you know, and he's like, oh, well, that's so ironic because, like, they're talking about me hating, but I don't hate anyone. And I'm like... Mm. Then don't go to rallies. and to be, Like I, white supremacist rallies. And I think people are, again, confusing or conflating hate as an emotion and a reaction to things and hate as a principle. Yeah. Right. And I think you can hate someone and write comments. That's one thing. But when hate is an underlying principle, yeah, that that you actually dislike someone or hate someone for the sole reason of a skin color or what have you, right? Like that's very different. And that you choose to live your life and and to think about your decisions in your life and and how you your opinions of the world is shaped by that hate, that's a different plan. That's not even a, that's not even the same word as hating that Jim Carrey movie you just saw or whatever. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. You know, like yeah. there's the there's the emotion and then there's the the principles of life, right? Yeah, that we live by, and and people just get them confused. And they do. You're, that's a good point. Yeah, and um. That's and it's true. interesting. I was thinking about that composition. I was like, and I and I know like Derek tweeted or tweeted put a post on Facebook. Our friend Derek about like there's a lot of mixed reactions about that Tina Fey skit. I guess about like she, the Saturday Night Live is doing like weekend mm-hmm. updates mm-hmm. On, the, on the summer. The cake, the cake skit, and and uh, and it's interesting. I don't know what what my opinion is. I thought it was kind of funny, <laughs> and. Uh, but she said something which relates to the whole thing about how, like, oh, you know, we stole this land from our indigenous people. 
And so who has the right to determine composition anyways? I don't Oh yeah, one, exactly. Even if you could ground and agree that that composition was a thing you needed to manage. So let's just put park that right? <laughs> yes. Let's say we have agreed that that is something we would do, which is again not agreed upon. Yeah. Yeah. Do white people or, you know, get to dictate get to anything? dictate that composition? That's interesting. Like I'm sure there's a whole bunch of indigenous people who are living in this country and in the United States and in the land called North America who would actually say, you know, if we had a choice and if we were dictating terms of composition, white wouldn't be part of it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, it's just... That is, like, when you talk about so this conversation, particularly for people who identify as white, who are white as a cultural identity are questioning themselves. I, I, I love to hear that because I'm what I'm not white, right? So I, I, I have a different perspective on the world, although I'm a, an immigrant or I'm a, from an immigrant family to this country. Uh, like you, and I hate using the word privilege because I just think it's always used as a weapon when it's actually should be used as a, as an epiphany as a, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. I think people start to realize, wow, oh, right. Yeah. That is not my right to say, mm -hmm. like actually mm -hmm. everything that I feel is a right actually might not be a right, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I just love that. And I, and I think, you know, I, and I kind of feel bad about my statement earlier about old white men as, as, as being like the worst thing you could be because it's like so old news. But like, and that's projecting a certain generalization on just because you're a certain age and a certain ethnicity. So I, I do say that's probably not the best thing to say. But well, I, I but, get what you're getting at. But but does it mean that every person who's of a certain age is white hasn't had some moments of self reflection over the last little while, you know? So so I, yes. I I there's a whole bunch of white people and old white people who probably haven't had reflection self reflection, but there's a good chunk who have, and and it's unfair to sort of paint it fully in that way. But so that's really so I do feel, you know, there's a. It's I as much as I hate them to realize that we're in this state where we have to have these conversations. In some respects, it's not a bad thing to be surfacing them and having an honest. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, people say having an honest conversation. I hate again the, the, using that phrase, but I think we aren't having those conversations. So right. it is the right word to use. You know, I I, I generally like to feel feel that our country and particularly the city is not terribly racist, mm -hmm. but there are still things in our society here in Vancouver as well that are not racist like a person is racist mm -hmm. but racist in that there are fundamental uh, things that you assume to be true mm -hmm. that then inform policies and procedures and institutions that exist in our world mm -hmm. and that's what is racist it races in a whole different way right uh, and there's the overt prejudice and then there's the un unovert or the unconsciousness that race you know yeah. i think the police in particular is is one particularly in the states I mean, people would argue whether it's subconscious or not or very intentional and that is still a debate to be had um but i would say the police culture in canada from my experience again i'm not indigenous and i'm not black so i don't have uh an experience from that racial perspective um, so I haven't felt it myself. Uh, so the statement is based on that, right? 
but I, I feel there's a different po- political and cultural context in Canada around police. But it doesn't mean it's not there. It doesn't mean, I mean... and uh, Thunder Bay is know? a good example. Thunder Bay? What happened to Thunder Bay? I saw there was a fifth estate on it because they're, they're having a terrible time there uh, between the police, which are mostly white, and the indigenous community. Oh. Yeah, it's really... There's a lot of... Um, accusations of racism on part of the police and there's a lot of mistrust and who would have thought but hmm. yeah that's a i'll 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 find yeah. that we'll post that yeah i didn't see the whole thing but um yeah they're just like trying to figure that one out but i think you know unless sorry in, no no go I ahead go off um you know when and back just this composition thing i i think People don't realize how much they're a product of their environment. And, you know, if you're in a hick, you know, so-called white town, you're, you're, you're growing up on attitudes that were developed over decades and brought up on certain ways of thinking about things. And, and you're around certain, you know, uh, you're around people that are probably much like yourself or if whether that's caucasian or whatever so you don't you know you go out in the world and you go to bigger metropolises or you go to other countries and you're like oh well you know that i'm i'm gonna go home and stick with you know what i know and right and and i think i think that's still there you know where people just they they don't get out there and they don't see the real world they don't and and this is definitely not defending but you know they they end up not even realizing how what the types of things they're saying like yeah like i just posted a video this tedx thing um those ted videos Mm -hmm. the guy talking about cycling okay and, um, you know, he, he's talking, he, it wasn't a very scientific data thing, but he, he references that, you know, he put some statistics out there, but just how it benefits your health and things like that. But he talked about how there was a, a few different numbers on the screen and 33,000, I believe, was one of them. And, and it didn't say what it was. He just said verbally what that number represented and represented how many people died in, in motor vehicle accidents every year. Hmm. And he's like, so when you think about it, we're, we've just kind of accepted that norm. It's not the lead story in the news. And he was saying how, yet what is often the lead story is you know, the terrorists that are coming to get us. Right. And when you think of how many people die from international terrorism inside the United States a year, it's like point zero 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 zero, however many sure. percent, right? Yes. So he's, you know, again, it's just, <laughs> there's so many things about what we think is real and what we think is true. And, and that just kind of made me think of that example. Um, I'll, I'll put, we'll post mm. that as well. Yeah. I, I, just to kind of uh, change the subject a little, mm-hmm. I found it really interesting, that video, because, you know, we, 
we have a very green pro uh, bike lane city council and mayor that have made a lot of changes to the city over the last eight years, mm-hmm. eight or nine years. And um, it's interesting because he talked. This guy talked about how cycling it's helped so many different people about different uh, ailments they they have. He he has Crohn's disease. The guy who was talking. Okay. And he he um, he dealt with a lot of really a lot of health setbacks due to it. And he found that cycling's actually helped. Um, uh, however you. Um, say like a block like the symptoms for okay. for days at a time and things like that and they found that uh, a woman who had parkinson's assistant symptoms as soon as she started cycling the more she cycled the less symptoms she felt and things hmm. like that like so i don't know it's just like people need to explore more i think be a little more open-minded to what's available to them and and really understand the examples that have already been set like he references uh amsterdam because they're the cycling mecca probably in the world probably yeah and i can say firsthand i experienced that for a very brief time because when our band went there that was our uh destiny uh, destination to and from europe when we toured right and we have this big tall nine-seater sprinter van and here we are sharing, trying to share the the road with dozens of cyclists wherever we go in the city. Sure. And I thought, holy shit, this is this is the new way, you know. And I I, I now understand why we look to those examples when we're trying to put that infrastructure here and change uh, what we're doing here because they say in in Europe. For every euro that they uh, invest in cycling infrastructure and, and getting people on bikes instead of and out of cars, you get eight euros back. Mm. You know, through health, uh, people not, you know, on the health system and and all this, you know, you right. name it, right? Yeah. Economy because they're building. Uh, Apartments along bike routes and you know, you, you know what I mean? Right. Or, or whatever, social housing or whatever. Right. Restaurants, storefronts, you know. And I just thought, thought that was interesting. I thought I wanted to sneak that in. <laughs> Segway. Yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, I spent a semester in Rotterdam, which is outside of Amsterdam. And, right. And, uh, yeah, everyone, the first, the first thing you do is, if it's in Italian, as an exchange student, get a bike. Yeah. I think that's the only way to do it. I never did because I, I, <laughs> I, I wasn't cycling back then. I had never owned a bike back then. So I did trolley bus it all the, all the time. Yeah. But um, but I remember seeing something on, on Facebook a while ago about like even, yeah, the Dutch were like putting like solar panel tiles on bike lanes to be able to create solar energy. And you're like, there's so much. There's it just, so much. it shows that there's a way, but it, it, it just really demonstrates if our own governments have the willingness you know i really think that's all it is well we should probably end not just talk about solar panels talk about the solar eclipse since it happened yesterday yeah Uh, did you see it yes so what was your uh what was your experience of it uh 
I was actually disappointed that it didn't get darker. I know. <laughs> I was texting with Michelle. I was like, she was like, I was like, I was like oh, good. She was teaching for the, her, her first day of classes, teaching again this this term, and she had two classes, and uh, and she took a break. I said, oh, great, you're outside, you know, and uh, watch the eclipse. She's like, oh, I don't have glasses. I said, well, I don't think you need to see it, but it should hopefully get dark and then get light again. <laughs> she didn't notice it at all. And yeah. I mean, in here, I mean, you could kind of tell it got a bit yeah. darker. Like, like it was, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and you kind of feel like it's like six or seven, you know, at night, like it's going to get darker, but yeah. it never got like some of the clips you saw in like other parts of the States where it went completely dark, you know, for well, two like minutes. Portland, I think, right? Yeah. And there's some places in Southern Illinois or something that mm. also got, cause that arc, right? Yeah. Well, one of, um, a couple of our colleagues at work, because, you know, like, it's visual effects, so people sure. are into tech and this and that and sci-fi and all that. So they had picked up the, the, the proper glasses, and um, they were passing them around. So I looked for, like, a couple seconds. I was like, I saw the crescent sun, you know? Yeah. And one another colleague was actually um, going around adjusting people's apertures on their phone cameras mm. so they could take pictures of that were just black and you see the sun oh yeah yeah like he was just going around like he didn't need lanes and elaine took a picture and it was great because he's like oh yeah just did it and he's like dialing it in going to all the people's phones because he he realized how to make that work because otherwise it would just be like a really bright sky with this kind of glowy thing yeah like the sun (laughs) like the sun just like looking at the sun so I thought it was very interesting. I think it's obviously momentous, but uh, I was kind of like, oh yeah. The whole building though, because you know, we're in a big building, yes. so other businesses, we all went down and everyone was outside for, we took like 20 minutes and yeah. got ready and watched it and then went back up. I felt bad for Vanessa, but she had a meeting at 10 and Ouch. the person who booked it said i don't give a flying fuck about it and i don't care oh we're not gonna god. cancel this meeting i'm like really oh my god how i mean i don't know if she said flying fuck but <laughs> <laughs> i'm paraphrasing but as if, i think that's what Vesta told me and it just like really that's that's so insensitive i mean it's a it's a big thing i mean why not spend 20 you know and and she said i don't care so so we're not gonna cancel like and so I just felt, I kind of felt bad, so Vanessa didn't see it, although she could look at the window and saw a little bit of a shadow on a tree, she thought maybe that was it. And, uh, hmm. but yeah, I mean, we, were interesting because we were sitting, or I'm on the 11th floor of this building near right. the hospital, and we have a whole vacant half of the floor for, it's been vacant for a little bit, and a visual effects team moved in next door to us. So oh. Like, uh, up until the end of September, so they're oh. very short. It's for this Mel Gibson, Vince Vaughn movie. Holy and so we're sitting there we have a balcony that extends throughout the whole floor so they have access and we have access and we, I, we open the door and we're just like looking just all you see is like the sun doesn't look any different than any other day if you didn't know something was going to happen you would have not assumed at all and then we did like sort of the uh, the really cheapy thing and put a little circle in a piece of paper yeah. and you saw and I still I mean I took IB chemistry and physics and what I did uh, in high school so I, I did all the sciences but I still don't understand how that works. <laughs> I don't understand how you a piece of paper in a hole creates those crescents. And we had all these like little holes in the blinds and you had all these like crescents like in the oh, giant wow. line of crescents. I thought really? that was kind of cool. Oh, oh that's cool. I thought that was kind of cool. I posted that on Instagram. <laughs> oh, and uh, is in my collage anyways. Um, <laughs> and so we get out there and I was like 
I don't I wasn't prepared at all, didn't have glasses. And then this guy came out and he's like he looks like a visual effects person. Not to be like stereotyping, but he looked like he was in visual effects. And he was looking at something through uh, like a little lens through, and just putting his lens, like a monocle almost, over his eye. And I kind of yelled through the, the, the window, but there was an open door to the back. And I was like, hey, you're prepared. He's like, no, it's our props guy. And I was like, oh. And so we all went outside, and the props guy was on the balcony. This older dude with, like, cargo shorts, unlike what, not unlike what you're wearing right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> my summer attire. Yeah. And, uh, and he was like had all these like little like lenses circular circular mm. lenses and he's like passing he's like hey you guys take a look you know go you know go give it a try and that's there's a photo of me with like these two lenses on instagram that's what i was using and he was like i was like wow you are so prepared like no we have this we're doing this film and i'm the props guy and we had i had to buy these welders glasses goggles yes yeah and he said i, I popped out the lenses and I put blue ones in because that's what the character needed for whatever this movie is going to be. It's, it's with Mel Gibson, so it can't be good. But anyways. <laughs> anyways. Um, but so we had all of these lenses from the welder's goggles. And he just I just saw them lying in my truck. I'm like, hey, this morning. So he had not even planned it. It wow. just happened to happenstance. He had them wow. flying around. So we all got to see the crescent moon and the, the nice. crescent sun with it because of the, the lens and just happened because of the good old folks in visual effects ah, figured go. it out for us yeah. very good it's good nice. well we're at 57 minutes we should probably otherwise we could probably talk about racism and fascism and nazism for another hour Ugh. sad that we have to say that in 2017 as people have said oh, about man. this whole scenario but it is true so so sad but uh all right. Well, uh, here's to happier thoughts, and yes. uh, thanks for listening. And we'll post a bunch of links. Justin uh, faithfully wrote down a bunch of uh, notes. And I like this drinking wine with podcasting. We got to do that more. Yeah, we'll do. We'll, we'll keep doing that. Love it. Only took us about a decade to figure. I know. <laughs> That's because okay. you kept eye rolling at me. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That is true. That is true. All I right. Have been the the holdback on this. Yeah. Well, you can find us at the.matrix.com or at uh, on iTunes, our Facebook page, yeah. or anywhere else. Right. Also, we'll try to tag it appropriately. Maybe we get a lot of hate messages for our conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kidding. Might get us more listeners. Hey! <laughs> yes, some fine people coming our way. On all sides. On all sides. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's end it there. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.